Welcome everyone to your Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I should have known this is empire of yours was built on a lie. The Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode one, Never Meet Your Heroes, is brought to you by Monogrammed Butterscotch. Ain't that sweet? Pete, here we are on launch day for Hawkeye, November 24th. Uh, Both episodes have dropped. We, of course, are just podcasting the one. I have just watched the one. You, of course, Pete, have the eye, much like uh, the watcher himself. So perhaps you've seen the second episode, all of them. Perhaps you've peered into season 82 of it. I don't know what it might be. Um, but this this is a special presentation today. Pete, when will we podcast episode 102? We will be bringing you episode 102 on our regular day. That is Marvel Saturdays, November 27th. So as we settle into this new old-fashioned way that we do things, uh, keep an eye out for the poll on Twitter. You can be sharing your feedback for episode 102. Uh, Pete, I would say if it's if it's into us at the beginning of Saturday morning, uh, wherever you might live in the world, uh, if you're very far from the United States, maybe Friday night, but somewhere in there as we uh, get ready to continue the Hawkeye adventure. And we will tell you a little bit later in this episode how where you might get us that feedback. Let's go through our run, run recap. Marvel Studios logo rolls, and then we see the New York City skyline, strangely from above, centered on a penthouse in 2012. There's a bedroom with archery, fencing, and other medals and trophies. And then we hear snippets of a conversation between a character known first as woman and one known as man. Very conspicuous conversation here. We're going to chat a lot about that when we talk about theories. We, too, see we, Kate, who is so resourceful to listen as she hears mom and dad fight, what with climbing on up to hear the vent and so uh, so forth. Uh, there is a little bit of a stumble on her end, so they hear her overhearing them. Uh, mom sends dad, suggesting perhaps that mom and Kate don't get along well. Uh, Kate tells dad that she eavesdrops so she knows what's going on. Again, some really easy introduction here to the character in terms of her being a little bit of a self-starter, her being, uh, you know, kind of advocating for herself and so forth. Uh, There's, of course, dialogue here. Things don't just fall from the sky. We, of course, will learn later in the scene uh, that, that this is the day when things did fall from the sky in the MCU. It was a little um, suspicious on my first watch this idea of wanting to sell the penthouse had what happens in 2012 and thank goodness matt they got the year right this time it's not a spider-man homecoming situation eight years earlier approximately eight to ten years later slash earlier (laughs) um just feeling like okay has it happened already and then that the dad mentions 
there'll always be weather. And then the concern over the house, I'm like, wait, are they talking about Hurricane Sandy? Um, and, you know, you're, you're trying to piece together, all right, where are we before, after the Battle of New York? Um, I still think there's a, there's a couple interpretations there. Hurricane Sandy, of course, happened October 29th, 2012. We know that around these parts all too well. So definitely post Battle of New York. Um, but that uh, dad comes up. They have the, the talk here. He says he'll always protect her. She goes down to lunch with mom. Kate does because dad will be downstairs in his office. Uh, we do have some affirmation in this uh, meal scene with mom that she's cool too. Yes, she's kind of been the cool customer in the previous scene, but she can do the fun uh, foodie throwy thing, which Pete, I think we should encourage all our younger listeners to not do because that's a choking hazard right there. Um, there's the suggestion that Kate go get some checkers. She goes upstairs to get that uh, past the window we can see a Chitauri flies. There's an impressive extended take, uh, doubtless aided by, uh, you know, special effects or it's multiple uh, mini scenes, you know, edited together with special effects or whatever. But the final product is an extended take, a one Pete, as they say in the biz. Uh, we start in Kate's room. It appears that the set actually shakes, by the way. Like, the, there's just this, you know, the curtains are moving and stuff like that. Okay. Uh the camera goes up to the skylight as more ch uh, Chitari fly by. The camera moves down the stairs with Kate into the dining room, into the damaged front hall, and into the more damaged living room. Uh, it's nice to see some some solid, but not necessarily in-your-face camera work this early in a first episode. And once she arrives at what was the office there, the, the one explosion having hit she can look out and stark tower is visible there's a chitari headed for her that gets hit by an arrow and then she sees clint barton on the corner of a building something we've seen close up before from her vantage point here where he jumps off and fires up uh slow motion just the enormity of the scene hitting her uh, and then to be interrupted by her mother uh, to tell her they've got to get out of there. Her mother carrying her away. Is daddy okay? The camera tips. I think it is fairly implied that the building is more than leaning. Yet they're later in that same penthouse apartment. So evidently put it back together uh the ceiling begins crumbling there and we transition from kate's calls of daddy to the funeral and a photo on a casket because one there's definitely a body in that casket right and when you put a photo of a man in there it also definitely means he's in there right pete i feel like you're laying some track uh for the future <laughs> Um, surely you're not suggesting that 
uh, much like uh, Stark fathers and much like Natasha's father, maybe the long lost father might be coming back. Um, that's that's crazy. I will say this in the prior scene where Hawkeye saves the day for Kate, um, the camera work is so fantastic. Among other things, it helps sell to us why Kate's favorite Avenger is Hawkeye. And it's a reminder to us, too, though there is the joke, Hawkeye is no one's favorite Avenger. It's a reminder that Hawkeye has always been a stand-up guy. He's always, you know, been responsible and dependable and kind of all those things. Uh, And it's a great, you know, yes, we're opening with Kate and the future of the MCU for her as a character, et cetera, et cetera, which we are definitely behind. But it's it's also kind of like a, it's like a repilot of sorts or a restatement, that's probably a better way to put it, of what makes Hawkeye a great character, even if he's not, you know, your favorite Avenger. And it's funny, you know, we, Fantastic Geek, are the only podcast that's done every single episode of Marvel TV ever. And I found myself thinking a lot about daredevil um in this episode one because of the connection to the battle of new york and obviously the the location but two then you bring in the russian angle of uh this episode here so you know to to think that they had abutted this before and i mean canonically right matt uh, you know what happened there and so Kate Bishop all along involved with this it's an interesting way to go uh, and we know of course Marvel TV Marvel Studios some people behind the scenes not really caring for one another so you know what let me let me come in here and all right there was this little girl and she was in a penthouse that was higher up than Hell's Kitchen so take that <laughs> And to bring it back to the funeral here, uh, some great lines of affirmation from mom that the baddies, the you know, Chitauri and Loki and whatnot, uh, won't come back because the heroes scared them away. Uh, Kate decides that she needs to protect the family now and says she needs a bow and arrow. Boom. Solid way to then lead into the title sequence. Uh, Pete, I wonder if there's a cut where I need a bow and arrow if that then leads to the Marvel Studios logo. Um, I wouldn't have hated that because I feel like, you know, I mean, clearly this is all prologue, but, um, I like, by the way, with the title sequence, there's a plain beauty to it. And that's not a slam or a slight in any way. It's not, um, Pete, you referenced Daredevil. It's not, you know, 3d model of Daredevil in, you know, the wax of a Catholic candle burning and the light of God or whatever the metaphor was there. It's just, it, it's, it's. A flatter presentation it's clearly kind of comic driven and it just mm-hmm. you know it pops because it's different you know I, I really really like it i like spanning her development there okay we've just left her at the funeral she needs a bow and arrow although she had archery trophies she didn't have a bow and arrow before little nitpick Uh, But, you know, to see her growing up, you know, like you see her eating dinner with the mom and then you see her get bigger. I I thought the presentation there pretty cool. We also bring in the idea of martial arts, the injuries. What does this girl, Kate Bishop, do? You know, she picks herself back up. She she gets nicked up. 
Uh, it's it's very real. We even see she goes from third to first on the blocks there um, during the sequence to bring us to the present day and Stain Tower. Indeed. Meanwhile, or I guess not meanwhile, but you know what I mean. Meanwhile, at Stately Stain Tower, Pete, can we infer that uh, Obadiah Stain was quite the philanthropist before turning into the ironmonger yeah why would you still keep his name on it though um look i think it's a good question maybe tony stark is now as of the time and we're going to discuss the time of this because matt it's been many years since the ronin was seen in 2023 <laughs> um pete you're reminding me that when the show a year ago, was filming in New York. People were like, look, it's talking about getting ready for New Year's Eve or the ball drop or getting ready for a new, you know, whether it's New Year's Eve 2023 or Happy New Year 2024, you know, whatever it is. that. Um, it's, it's been many years in, since the Ronin. Uh, Pete filed that under, hey, Endgame was really, really great and ambitious and made all this money and this high point. Uh, we're going to start to move on from some of that stuff. Like, we're not going to do every show has people with PTSD due to the snap or whether they were snapped or what it was like when they came back or we are moving on. Uh, and indeed, Pete, uh, there at Stain Tower, Pete, it's TV's Emily Dickinson has a bow and arrow. That's right, Pete. She's now playing uh, Kate Bishop, the grown-up version uh, in this show, running concurrent to Dickinson. Uh, what a time it is to have two shows at once. Can't pick the lock there winds up scaling the wall instead resourceful okay gets to the roof looking over at that clock tower greer phones her here tells her to be careful she could get kicked off the archery team which didn't happen but a bet's a bet uh you think the bell swings or is it the dangly thing in the middle that swings puts a tennis ball on the arrow uh, surely it won't do any damage. Just a thud. That was a letdown. Must be the dangly thing inside. She puts a little uh, attachment to the second arrow there, which catches the rope. They cheer. The bell rings. And then the bell falls. And the tower collapses. And a security guard arrives with a light, unable to save the clock tower. <laughs> Uh, Pete, I won't call story baloney that the guard, I guess, ran into the adjacent tower that overlooked the bell tower and went up there where a person we'll was, it. as we'll opposed to, it. yeah, I mean, I get it. I get that it's, I get that it is a story function and that's okay. Um, indeed, Pete, we then move from uh, wherever she's at to, to New York City with Grand Central Terminal. 30 Rock, and Rogers the Musical. Later in the episode, we will visit other locations like Grand Central Terminal, 30 Rock, and Rogers the Musical. Because apparently, Pete, New York is really uh, small. That's what I've learned from this. I haven't, haven't been in a little while. I guess it's it shrunk in the wash or something. Um, we go into Rogers the Musical, which is less good than I hoped, but probably exactly as good as they wanted it to be, as we are told via song, save us all from the state we're in. I could do this all day and so forth. 
have you listened to the single yet? I did not know there's a single. There is a single. The whole song is out there. Uh, I've listened to it. Um, I I need more of Rogers the musical. Um, I know you know we've been talking. All right, there's a there's a Hamilton vibe to it. You know, you're watching initially and you're like, okay, is the guy in the suit, is he some like low rent Tony Stark? No, they actually have a a Tony Stark. I love that the Hulk is wearing a hoodie. (laughs) But the the in joke and, you know, first it's the, um, you know, both of our main characters are fleeing trauma. Um, You know, Kate has gone through the loss of her father. She's delved into her physical gifts. Uh, Clearly that has informed the woman she's become. Um, Clint Barton is still feeling the loss of Natasha Romanoff and that, you know, the potential parody of the Broadway production of the superhero team that he's in turns to silence after they're telling us black widows, a knockout who can knock you out. Okay. That's inspiredly lazy that. writing like that, it, but, but it, it, it works. And, and yeah. Ant-Man, you know, we're bringing Ant-Man that, that lifts us out of the malaise here. The, the, um, you know, the the sadness in a moment, but, you know, the silence that uh, Clint is looking at the Natasha actress and then that his daughter here is dad, dad, and then the high pitch ring and her bringing up the hearing aid. A reminder, Pete, that he has uh, he has been through a lot in these last 10 years or so that, uh, you know, time marches on even if he hadn't been through all these many things. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that is, if the hearing aid in particular is a larger story point or if that's just um, a story marker to say, you know, hey, Hawkeye has, is older than he was in the first Avengers movie. Um, I love, you know, in this scene, which is kind of, you know, steeped obviously in this Spider-Man turn off the dark, terrible musical kind of aspect um, and maybe is not the most expressive we've ever seen Jeremy Renner. Uh, I do love about this scene that there he is as, you know, a- as the beloved Hawkeye and that Black Widow fangirl turns at him. You know, she's got the, the Black Widow, not just braid, but it looks like it's been recently braided or it's a wig or something, whatever it is. She's a fangirl. The camera's able to capture that. She turns and waves at him. It's this big moment for her seeing the celebrity in the audience. Right. Uh, it's it just feels very authentic and serves the story purpose to remind us that he's one of the most famous, one of the most important people in the world. Um, even as he's able to, you know, sit, you know, twelve rows back at a at a Broadway show. Which, you know, the the through line of this episode is he can't seem to escape. He can't be allowed to escape it or to forget it. You know, even in the Chinese restaurant. Oh, well, here, you know, the restaurant is paying for your dinner. You save the city. Oh, okay, but it's it's not like 
you know, they're reaching for quarters in the couch, the Barton family, and uh, not looking for the, the glad handing. Um, but, hey, you know who wasn't at the Battle of New York? That guy, Ant-Man. Although he was at the time heist, so it's not wrong? Yeah, I almost, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's nothing wrong with the joke. Um, I feel like maybe there's the faintest echo of another draft, an earlier draft of this that was a longer speech. Like, they got the details wrong. They don't care about the particular, they don't care about the truth. Like, whatever it is, it kind of, I think there's this echo of clearly the musical is not meant to be, um, I'll say educational the way, let's say, Hamilton is. And even with Hamilton, you can say, well, this has in addition to the wonderful diverse casting not being representative of the truth uh, of how people looked. You know, there's elements here, there, they move people around and so forth. But th- this is meant to be egregious. Um, so, And I think I think that much is clear. If, there, if there's further commentary intended, maybe it didn't make, it didn't make this edit, but I think there's the sense of just, ah, they're, they're, you know, it's the inauthenticity of it. Let's talk further commentary because the lyric, Matt, the city's trashed when you take your bow. We'll blame you then, but you're good for now. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we... That's a Sokovia Accords lyric. Yeah. Well, and also I'm thinking of the, you know, a little bit with, um, uh, you know, the cleanup, the cleanup crew. What was that called? In, in, um... In, in Spider-Man and whatnot, but again, I think there's this there's a depth to it that the show doesn't necessarily plumb to the bottom of it, but it's there. I, in in many regards, it's kind of standard of the Marvel world where it's indicative of this larger thing, but we're not necessarily going to stop an accessible family adventure to sit and go, you know, what is the nature of celebrity? And sometimes we, you know, we take and we take and we take, and all of a sudden we say. And as it turns out, I don't like what I've seen. So now I reject you, you know, star. Um, It's kind of all in there. Uh, Bart heads to the bathroom where there's a Thanos was right, scrawled on a urinal. And then Beardo wants a (laughs) selfie because it'd be rad. Um, Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we all have heard little, you know, celebrity stories here and there of things like that happening all i will say is this pete the time that uh you and i and another compatriot walked past jonathan frakes as he was wrapping up a convention appearance uh we just said thanks for everything i didn't say hey can we further you know um turn your presence into a transactional occasion here um I love that when he finally declines and then declines again while washing his hands, Pete, he exits the Lundfontein Theater, coincidentally, previously home to Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. No, it's not one of the Disney-owned theaters, but it's it's got some uh, it's got some Diz history to it. Keeping it in the family there. Um, and not too famous that he can't squat down in front of it although i'm sure the mayor's office of film and television had like a four block uh you know corridor uh laid out lila comes out to ask if he's okay he says he's just getting some fresh air but she says it's fine if he does not want to watch the show and then it turns back to the seriousness of missing 
her, uh, his best friend. We're talking about Romanoff again. Um, the whole thing's a bit ridiculous, a lot ridiculous. Lila agrees here. The boys are out, and little Nate, named, of course, for Nat, wants to know why everyone is singing and dancing about everything. You know, musicals and all that. And Dad doesn't know, but it's Christmas in New York, and they're out of there. They're going to show Mom what she's missing. Outside of Grand Central Terminal uh, is the excellently decorated Pershing Square. Pete, I don't know how much of this was like set dressing and how much of this was what you get filming at Christmas time in New York. Uh, we see Kate Bishop talking to Mom. Sure, I'm in town. Sure, I'll come on by. She does just that. Mom is not happy that the bell and the clock need replacing, courtesy of Mom, uh, courtesy of Mom's pocketbook. It's made very clear mom is not happy, but also to replace all this is an annoyance. So very quickly through mm-hmm. action and acting, we get some of the context. Yes, we're going to get the line in a minute. You're wrong. You're young and you're rich. Don't look for trouble as mom kind of, you know, expositionally wags her finger. But I love that we get tell or pardon me. I love that we get show before we get tell. Yeah, that her credit cards are going to be canceled, that there is a consequence. This is not just you did this and and we're going to, you know, make it go away for you. Um, Back to the line about her being young, okay, that young people think they're invincible and rich people think they're invincible and that Kate has always been both. And take it from someone who has not, Vera Farmiga says, as mom, okay, that you're not you will get hurt, so please don't go out looking for it. And obviously the arc of this series, uh, that will come to pass. Uh, so what does uh, mom want here? She wants her daughter to go upstairs and put on the red dress in her bedroom and go along to this charity thing. You know, what that we said before, uh, you know, these poor people and, you know, these nonprofits needing to rely on the more fortunate that it is a necessary thing. Uh, so mom would, which is seem, a solid line, which is a real, I mean, I, I, there's very solid dialogue and, and listen, you could do a lot worse than Vera Farmiga, um, delivering it. The idea though, that she seems to have her head on, right. Okay. Apart from putting some things on Kate's seemingly deceased father, okay? She presents her mother with yet another medal. This one, you know, U.S. Martial Arts Championship, although I couldn't believe they wouldn't have, like, talked about it before. But, all right, here we'll show it to you. This is how the story's told. Got her black belt when she was 15. So proud. Okay, and then we notice the katana on the table, and so does Kate. Yes, there's lots of swords around here. Uh, Swords. Coincidentally, here's Jack, the boyfriend turned, as we will learn in a little bit, mom's fiancé. Pete, I know you've told me he plays uh, a villainous person in the... The villain you love in Lalo Salamanca on Breaking Bad there, Tony Dalton. Um, 
he's going to be he, – he already is a star. He's going to be an even bigger star. This is a guy who could play Zorro. Uh, this is a guy who's going to be in a lot of big roles. Nonetheless, I think he comes off as a charming like there's an air to da- air of danger to him, but I think that he comes across as uh a kind of charming and be you know respectful like oh hey, I've interrupted the conversation from you two. okay, my bad. oh, also we need to leave and it's kind of more mom as the driver in terms of go get change see you at the party we cannot be late uh, which is also a handy exposition to like wrap up the scene. Uh, back we go to Clint and the family having some Chinese food. Uh, next stop will be the Christmas tree at Nondescript Tree Place. Did um, you catch the Marvel Studios television Easter egg here? I have no idea what you're talking about, so I think the answer is no. The Chinese restaurant kitty? When in a Marvel oh. Studios TV show... Did we see a Chinese restaurant kitty? That was in Falcon, right? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And here we have little Nate doing the eyes like a total crazy person. Great, (laughs) great line there out of Jeremy Renner. Uh, He wants to fire down some more crab. Get like four of them. Okay. And of course, Lila, I felt a little bit of her pain here. You know, why is the daughter the one that would be looked to have to clean it up? That's not cool. So she's putting it back on the boys here. You make them puke. You're going to be the ones to clean it up. Um, We also have uh, mom call in, perhaps from the set as a series regular, uh, the set of Dead to Me. Uh, Maybe that's why she can't be in more of these episodes. I don't know. Uh, We do get the enjoy your... Uh, dad, and your trip with your dad so you can spend time with just your dad. That's the story reason why mom didn't come to, to New York. Goodbye. Um, Pete, this scene shows what a great actor Jeremy Renner is, okay? Because in this scene, he looks oddly tired and lacking some punch. I don't think that that's a Jeremy Renner... Um, uh, I don't think that we're seeing Jeremy Renner there. I think we're seeing him portray Clint Barton as oddly tired and lacking some punch. The the weariness and, you know, so it's mentioned for the first time in this scene. We see it later in the kitchen of the hotel. There are six days until Christmas, Matt. There are also six episodes of this series. Hmm. I feel like that's what you call a story clock. I also feel like this scene needs to, to, to giddy up a little bit. Pete, that's when the waiter stops by. Dinner is on us. It's necessary. You saved the city. Uh, I know you referenced, before, referenced it before, but I think it's a lovely bow on the scene. To the hotel where Kate has not donned a red dress like Mom, but instead has worn a black tuxedo that... Armand Duquesne, later come to known as Armand III, uh, believes makes her a waitress. Uh, But indeed she is not. She is the little bishop girl. Pete, look, I'm no uh, female, but I suspect that perhaps... uh, I mean, look, Armand, charming actor, charming presentation of Armand and whatnot. I just want to say out there to... All our listeners of a gentleman, gentlemanly persuasion uh, that maybe the way to endear yourself to to a woman, even in a uh, in a uh, you know fraternal fashion, uh, is probably maybe not to say, 
Oh, you're the little girl who's all grown up, but you don't wear dresses like a girl, do ya? Um, I like that it's implied in his delivery, but not in his presentation. So kudos there to the acting. Uh, he does wonder, won't she wear a dress to the wedding? You know, Ella slash mom and Jack. Oh, ooh, surprise. Um, but it is a jackpot, says Armand. Right? Questions Armand in a scene that I think Pete played just fine on first view and played better on second view because the guy is clearly playing with fire a little bit, but he's this stately older gentleman who knows the way of the world and knows his place in it and so forth and, and can kind of throw a bomb and be like, ooh, did I, did I drop that bomb? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, the, the, the deft nature of the dialogue here, again, unfurling the details that he's done everything he can to talk his, uh, you know, relative here out of marrying um, her prize of a mother uh, who she now needs to go have a chat with. Uh, and then, of course, Armand the Seventh being so rude to interrupt the kind of rude Armand the Third here, um, whose uh, relative Jack Duquesne, uh, he's he gets his little mind quite determined. So a lot going on here. Um, Kate goes right up to Mom and soon to be stepdad Jack. Uh, you're engaged, um, and they ask Jack for a moment there, um, and uh, Jack uh, lets it be known here. He has another engagement coming up, um, but that mom tells her daughter here, tells Kate that, yes, it's fast, but it was nice to be swept up in the romance here, wanted to tell her. Um, and Kate needs to go get some air, uh, where not only is there Father Christmas, but there's a little elf. Pete, indeed, the introduction of the dog here, and I'm reminded, Pete, of my high school junior year honors English teacher, who I did not care for, uh, who did, however, tell me, and us, the class, uh, that uh, in Crime and Punishment, when somebody is beating the horse, uh, it is a reminder that those who hurt animals, particularly in fiction, uh, though I think in life, uh, you know, are the villains uh, because it's a helpless animal. And the horse in Crime and Punishment, uh, I don't really know. I didn't read because I didn't like her, which is sometimes how teenagers are. But here we get the dog. Uh, Kate, of course, is sneaking and deking as she goes along here. She also ultimately sees Mom arguing with Armand. Um, the sneaking continues with Kate now leaning into the fact that she is dressed like a waiter. Uh, this gives her entry into the bowels of the basement. Uh, Pete, do you remember that other engagement that Jack went to? Well, it's in the bowels of the basement, an illegal auction for very expensive stuff. I believe when she walks in, uh, we hear that something or other is being sold for 2.1, no, 2.2 uh, million. A triceratops skull? <laughs> 2.7 million? You know what, Pete, there are some people and who think... And we don't know where you got it. Ha 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 ha. Um, I appreciate... I, you know, Pete, let me... Look, let me be honest here. We have a well... 
a, a well-trod tradition on the podcast to not to not really uh, be negative about things. The one exception being in humans, which is the worst thing we've ever podcasted, and it broke us emotionally <laughs> but and listen intellectually. To it because because I think you'll you'll get something out of it just like we did. It would be interesting to go back and listen to it. Um, yeah, you and I. Anyhow, but I digress. I think of how. Um, obscene wealth was presented in Marvel Netflix. Um, thinking particularly of um, Kingpin in Daredevil. And I'm thinking of um, that guy that was the dad in, I think it was Iron Fist, and somehow he died and always came back. Um, it was a brutal Iron Frank Fist was, science monster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy who was uh, Faramir in Lord of the Rings. Look, I can remember Faramir. And not the name of this character. And it was, by the way, it's cool seeing Faramir, which I think is David something. I don't know. Well, we saw him at Comic-Con. We were fairly close to the stage and blah, blah, blah. It, Iron Fist, man. Um, it was what it was. But I just think of how this was like obnoxious wealth that also, in retrospect, looked kind of limited to one set. Um, but obnoxious wealth versus what we're seeing here in Hawkeye is a more... It's not our world. It's not wealth that is of, you know, the people. But it's also not, you know, like, you know, oh, let's go watch the secret fight club where the poors fight each other. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, like there's something here where it's like, there they are kind of in their, in their private thing. Ha, ha, ha. We're going to do an, an auction. But it's kind of, it, it's, a, it's a boys and girls club that we're not necessarily invited to. But they're not necessarily, you know, cruelly keeping us out. It's just we go to our stuff and they go to their stuff. And I get they're not making any more Triceratops skulls, but... Well, Pete, there is this park, okay? <laughs> but that's another movie universe. I pray the, continue. The Ronin sword for just four seventy-five. Like, okay. And help me with this, too, because this seems really suspect. Found in the wreckage of the Avengers compound. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Somebody went to the Avengers compound where Thanos was defeated that wasn't supposed to be there because that wouldn't be off limits. One, because Avengers. Two, because of national or world security. And not only got the sword, but got the suit. Like that, that seemed a little far fetched. Also missing from the scene is Clark Kent. And here, what was Superman dead and everything, too? Um, <laughs> is it a tad convenient? I mean, yeah. I, however, Pete, I do have They an want answer. to tell the story. They're going to reveal the identity of the Ronin, at least to Kate. Okay? Um, but, yeah, it just seems a little contrived. As for the low bid price, let me ask you this, Pete. What percentage of people uh, have heard about dinosaurs? Everybody. What percentage of people, Pete, lived through the Ronin years? And what percentage didn't? 50. There you go. So I think that I think you could easily get $850,000 for a Ronin sword if everybody was there. Half the people are like, it's like the show they didn't watch. Like, you know, Pete, have you ever seen The Wire? Bits and pieces. Okay. 
I've, I haven't seen The Wire beyond bits and pieces. Uh, people who've seen The Wire would tell you it's maybe the greatest show ever. Yeah. We're just missing it. You sit and go, hey, I'm looking it's, to sell my... It's, it's true. I just think the sword went cheap there. And clearly Jack, who has swords in his soon-to-be uh, penthouse apartment uh, with Eleanor, uh, he wants this, you know infamous and one of a kind sword that retracts all the way into the handle. And, uh, as all this is going on, of course, Kate is hiding in the maze, having, you know, told one guy, Gary sent her down there. Then of course, Gary comes over. He didn't send her down there. Wants to know her name, but Gary, you don't, know my name really well done there on on Haley steinfeld's uh behalf um but in this maze of of the wine cellar uh now overhearing the russians talking about getting ready taking positions um and just as the auction ends here we have the explosion go off right before a lot 309 with the companion piece of the entire Ronin suit. Mom upstairs is at a table. So we're checking in on the other location that shakes because of the explosion. I'm sure she knows nothing about what's going on. Uh, the sword is on the ground as alarms blare. Jack finds it, retracts it, is able to put it in his jacket. He'll use that later. So we have Mom unable to find Kate. We, of course, see that with Kate and the suit, now Kate is dressed as Ronan. We have some diving. We have some throwing. We have some What are these guys there for, though? Pete, they're there for the watch, primarily. The other things come second to the watch. Um what we're told <laughs> indeed uh, that that's something pete that we can watch to keep an eye on um the fight from the the wine cellar ultimately spills into the street we have here pete it's it's at this point in the story i believe where there's some dog yelping and we are very clear as to who the baddies are um the dog ultimately on the run here um and uh, kate saving the dog, uh, thereby, Pete, by the transferative power as shown in Crime and Punishment, that makes Kate a hero because she's uh, saving the dog that was hit. By the way, one of the baddies is revealed in dialogue to be Kazi. I think we can keep a pin in that one, too. Truck guy having kicked the dog there and Kate saving uh, the pizza dog from truck guy. Truck guy had lot number 268, the Avengers compound, the watch that he had found. Uh, but as uh, Kate ran away, of course, the, the one guy lifting his mask, uh, seeing her get away. Boy, it was convenient that the Ronin costume had a mask in it. And then, you know, COVID protocols for filming last year. Pete, sometimes you get sometimes you get lucky. Art, life, life, art, and so forth. Uh, back to the other storyline we go uh, in Clint Barton's, Pete, can we say, very generous hotel suite. Um, the kids are pooped. Uh, don't forget, they're going to be headed home tomorrow, packing up, going home. 
Uh, also, let's quick turn on the TV. Da-da-da, breaking expositional news. An explosion at a thing with sightings of someone appearing to be Ronin. Do you remember Ronin? The mysterious masked Ronin. Haven't heard from Ronin in a while. Uh, Pete, if you've forgotten about Ronin, here's a flashback uh, to Ronin stuff from Endgame. Pete, Ronin was underneath the mask, Clint Barton. There you go. We put it all together there. Lila notes that the ninja saved a dog to Kate's apartment, aforementioned, uh, but brings the dog in. She's gone there in the suit, but no one saw her because ninja stuff. Uh, She's talking to the dog because sometimes you need to do that for dialogue. Uh, Did Armand threaten her mom? And why was he buying black market swords? Um, do you think there's a connection between that and the break-in? Oh, wait, the dog? You like the pizza? You are the pizza dog now. Don't destroy my apartment. It's a talky scene. I would be interested to know if this was, um scripted originally scripted for filming so not like necessarily draft one but if this was the shooting draft where you said we have to highlight some of these things and this is the scene where she's going to talk to the dog and talk to the audience and you know kind of make sure everything is clear uh or if this was a pickup when somebody was like hey in the edit it's unclear xyz and one two three we need a scene uh and preferably not you know a bunch of Facey face on top of each other in the age of COVID. Uh, what if she talks to a dog? Can dogs get COVID? Nope. Okay. Her and the dog. They can, know. though. <laughs> but, um, but again, the point being, you know, I'm not being critical that we are having a bit of a recap in a directional scene here. Got to do what you got to do, especially in the first episode of a six-episode presentation. Um, I'm just curious where in the process they said we need this scene. Um, we have Kate slipping away, as you said, Pete. Hopefully the apartment's going to be okay. I feel like in episode 102 we might return to either a hilariously clean apartment because the dog is a good dog or a hilariously dirty apartment because the dog is a dog. And um, pizza. <laughs> that too. Side note, um, don't feed dogs pizza. <laughs> also, Pete, don't feed dogs grapes. Just as a side note, I found yeah. that out in the last like couple weeks. I was like, here oh, you go. Goodness. My dog, have a grape. And my daughter's like, maybe you should Google that first. I'm like, it's a grape. And she's like... One grape can kill a dog. And I'm yep. like, oh, I'm yes. going to feel like crap if anything happens in the next 12 hours. Onions, like, yeah. basically everything can kill a dog. Only feed them dog food. Uh, and that is the dog podcast by Fantastic Geek. There you go. A dog podcast just happened here. Um, Kate breaks into Armand's place, uh, sneaking about again. That's Pete where she notices his monogrammed butterscotch. I do love me a, a butterscotch hard candy. Uh, but wait, Pete. So, something else is hard on the floor. It's Armand, who's dead, uh, in the floor of his stately living room. I would like to give credit to either the makeup department or the um, what's called color timing, which is how you adjust the colors of the uh, you know of the image. Because it was only on the second view that I realized there's a whole lot of blood there. And Pete, if there's one thing we know, it's that the mouse does not like blood, uh, along with you know. Uh, naked female parts and um the f word so the blood was difficult to see but uh, armand very very dead knock knock who's that pete it's 
I guess a cleaning lady or some sort of employee. She's she's brought the dry cleaning. She brought dinner too, even though Armand just came back from a gala. Um. Yeah, I mean, Pete, we saw him drinking, not eating. Okay, and maybe he's like, you can't trust, you can't trust the food in places like this. So he just drinks the champagne and then comes back, and he just wants a. Um, I mean, I know there's not, um, there's not in and out in New York City, but maybe it's you know he he wants a he wants a slice from from the raised pizza or something like that. I don't know. He, he he's a man about town, but he doesn't need to flash dollar dollar bills. To, to, to be happy. So whatever it is, uh, R.I.P. Armand and Kate is not seen by the maid. I feel like that's an important takeaway. Kate, uh, Ronan, nobody's kind of connected to this, at least by the maid. But the Russians see Ronan. They missed Ronan, bro. Bro? Uh, they fight uh, Kate. You know, holding it down. At one point, she uh, she starts opening or attempting to open car doors. Finds one. That's how you know this was not filmed in New York. <laughs> um, Nobody leaves their doors open in New York. Forget about it. One thing I really enjoyed in this scene was how organic the fight felt. We have some bone-jarring slides, like on the car's hood. It felt honest the way she's hiding in the car like she's overpowered and doesn't quite know what to do um i guess props to the tracksuit guy who's ready to punch his way through a window i guess even though he has a ring that's that's more i don't know manly man than i've got but wait pete all of a sudden zip zap zoop they're taken out one by one who who could be saving her pete who is that man with the great aim with his scarf this unseen assailant who makes quick work of these Russians grabs Kate in the alley. Oh, come on. When she realizes when he realizes it's a young woman and that he is Hawkeye. But who the hell is she in a series called Hawkeye? Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A theory. Pete, uh, can you officially weigh in? Is Stain Tower officially named for Obadiah and therefore some sort of like bad, dirty money? It is. I just have to wonder, you know, so he was disgraced. And what did he do that's even worse now? You know, Iron Man is an international martyr to uh the people of earth the idea that we'll we'll let this guy that he gave some money here and you know they should be one it's not irreplaceable they shouldn't be replacing it it shouldn't have his name on it anymore what if pete obadiah stain was of the you know the massachusetts stains who you know well, you know some stains matt s-t-a I N, uh, you know, they're too bad. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, two part question, Pete. Are monogrammed butterscotches a thing? Uh, that's part A. And part B, is it a clue? Uh, they are a thing. You can get anything 
you know, labeled, whether it's, you know, getting initials on M&Ms or whatnot. There's there's a market out there for that. Is it a clue? I'm going to withhold answer. Uh, Will, uh, Pete here now is the question that is the, the heartbeat of this season. Will Clint Barton get home in time for Christmas? Uh, will he get home or will they get to him? Um, well, well let's saying. make that two separate questions. Will he get home at the iconic kind of open plan farmhouse? Uh, will he get home in time for Christmas? I think they wind up coming to him. Okay. Uh, Linda Cardellini as well. This, this, this show is about like, like so many about found family. There's a family you got. There's the family you find. Is he going to up and leave Kate Bishop and clearly what's coming for hard times with her family? Um, I mean, could he take her to the family farm? I, I think Cardellini makes it to uh, New York. I think the kids come back. They all, Kate, Pizza Dog, the Bartons have a, holly jolly holiday together pete last question from me a serious voice here was thanos right is this a bigger thing that he sees it at a low moment it's clearly meant like all right natasha lost her life bringing everybody back to defeat Thanos. It's just insult to injury here. Um, but it but it feels by its nature more conspicuous. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think maybe have to monitor that one. Uh, what theories do you have? Can I hear what you say, as Bing Crosby <laughs> might say? Is... The Bishop father is Eric Bishop. Is dad D E D dead? <laughs> I know what trail you were, uh, what track you were laying um, for his possible return. And I will admit he could return. I think that thus far I will take the show at um, at face value in terms of doing a lot of work in this episode to establish him and he's a good guy and there's some tension with mom and then all of a sudden he's gone where's daddy where's daddy cut to a funeral very clearly for him i you know i don't know how often one would do the portrait by the thing but i think in the world of tv and film you do that to make it completely clear that like we got to chug through two scenes of young kid kate bishop that then lets a certain trajectory be set and also sets her up for like Oh man, if only there was a dad in my life. Oh wait, 10 years later, Hawkeye's my new dad, that kind of thing. So I I defer to your theory as a possibility, but I'm not on board yet. I mean, there's a lot of discussion just at earshot in this episode. The argument between mom and dad at the beginning. Mom talking about an actual solution. Uh, no, you know, maybe you should sell this penthouse. There's clearly some sort of money trouble. Um, everything that goes on there, the discussion later on that Kate overhears 
Armand and her mother having about, you know, oh, I, I know uh, some some people you you don't mess with. And, you know, th- this is going to get ugly between us, this empire that um, Mrs. Bishop uh, that Eleanor uh, is said to have the no no i'm i built that from the ground up it was all the toil and not the ill-gotten gains um argument solutions even the idea so uh father bishop says to kate the idea of making your choices it's the choices that you make and what happens that's what you control um that you make in the face of trouble. So clearly the underpinning of the narrative here, will it be bad dad back from the dead? I don't know. Uh, seems like there was some bad stuff. They, he may or may still be up to. I do, you know, as I often want to do, as I often like to do, I like to look at structure and structure expectations in the five remaining episodes. Is there plenty of room to have, you know, a dad returns reveal and so forth? Absolutely. I mean, speaking of structure, oh man, when will Clint Barton and Kate Bishop, you know, they're on a collision course. When will they meet? Yeah. The end of the first episode has a smash collision there. Who are you? All right. Let's see. Pete, I have not seen episode 102. I bet it's going to open or their first scene together. I don't know whether you're going to have a flashback or something, but uh, it's going to be them like in a diner, you know, maybe I've seen some of this from the trailer, but it's going to be, you know, so wait, what are you? I'm a this. What are you? I'm a that. Okay. You know, very quickly, we're going to dive on in. Do I feel like we can take a ton of time to set up mom as crime syndicate bad? Sure. And stepfather as part of it? Sure. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we have the time to to do the dad return. Although, like I said, we certainly certainly could. Will we get more Rogers the musical? If we do, it'll be in the final episode. They will try it again. Huh? Yeah, if if it comes back. Like I said before, I was surprised at how short it was. However, just because you've paid all these people to you know write it and choreograph it such as it is and costume it such as it is and so forth that doesn't mean you know that doesn't mean that places a a requirement on how it gets used you know the job of the editor is to see everything kind of equally dispassionately and say what's best for the story not you know you know francis in costuming worked so hard on those hulk tights and you never saw them you know that's that's not the concern of story Eleanor tells her daughter this is a charity auction and clearly, you know, there's propriety at the one, uh, you know, part of the soiree. But this, you know, black market, you know, dinosaur fossils and, you know, international assassin weapons and gear. Right. This is this is bad stuff. It is. However, I think it's kind of in line with our expectations. Like 90% of the people in the hotel ballroom are like, oh, yes, thank goodness. 
you know, Cartier donated this uh, this bracelet. I will overpay for it. And I know that the money will go to, you know, help this charity and help people in need. And I can I can feel good about all of it. And then there's the 5 to 10% who, you know, go downstairs and go, tee-hee-hee, let's do illegal auctions, you know, um, and all of that. I think that's in line, you know, as opposed to, hey, what if, uh, I don't know, I didn't spend $2 million on the Triceratops thing and instead... Uh, I don't know, donated it to the United Way uh, or to the food kitchens, you know. So, of course, there's that, there's that, um, you know, cream of the crop, that 1% that are, that are looking good as they go to the charity thing. And then there's the secret, you know, insular world that they exist in. How much of the underground auction stuff do you think is tied to... Armand and Eleanor's and maybe even uh, Eric Bischoff's uh, Bishop's uh, dealings. I think it's a, it's a good place to dig for some story. If I'm going to answer your question, I mean, I think my take right now is Armand was so sweet that maybe he was on the good side of this gray stuff. Like, Eh, sometimes there's a little illegal gambling down there, but you know we all we all it's all amongst gentlemen. Uh, versus, I feel like there's more potential for mom to be the you know for mom to be revealed as you know she she's not this Disney um, you know sorceress type that's you know uh, a, a witch or or that kind of thing where it's clear she's the villain. I kind of like that she's. There's the potential for her to be, you know, the 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 top boss who also is the top villain. What is this watch? Um, it'll be interesting to see if it has some sort of MCU value or if it's just like, yeah, it's the diamond watch. It is, you know, it, it is this thing that has value to those in the story, but not value to us. It is the MacGuffin. Um, certainly. I mean, I think it's clear we're going to see more of these mafiosos in tracksuits. If only they had some sort of better name than that, like tracksuit mafia, um, which has just a really satisfying. That's a satisfying series of sounds there. Uh, good job, comic book writer guy who was going <clears> to <throat> film as one of them, and then COVID kind of prevented that. Uh, I don't think a COVID case in him. I think just kind of COVID protocols prevented right. that. But um, I don't know if. It, too, has the potential to be like, oh, man, it's the Iron Man watch. It's Tony Stark's watch that blah, 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 blah. Or, like I said, yeah, it's a $100,000 watch. The end. What about the line where Armand uh, asks uh, one of the tracksuit mafia there if he knows who he is? So this seems to be beyond socialite Armand Duquesne III. And I think that's a satisfying story place too. And I'm, I'm again, unfortunately, thinking back to that first season of, uh, of Iron Fist, where it felt like, um, Dad, what's his name, was you know in charge of the company and had access. So you know he was on the highest floor of the building, and he was super rich, and he was in charge of the company, and he had access to all this mystical, live forever mumbo jumbo stuff, whatever it was. Point being, he was at the highest high of like these two different worlds versus, 
you know, sometimes crime is crime. And if Armand was in the gentlemanly world of gentlemanly crime, like, ha ha ha, we've just bought out your bank and foreclosed all those mortgages, I guess. Versus, you know, oh, we're stealing, we're stealing purses on a massive level or something like that, which I, or, you know, we're robbing storage rooms where the watch is, uh, that kind of thing. You know, crime is crime is crime. And to see those two worlds kind of collide and we get to watch good guys like Clint Barton and Kate Bishop roll in and save the day, that's, uh, that's satisfying. When is this story taking place? I believe, based on, like I said, I don't know whether it's cheating or spoilers or whatever, but I, as I recall, the set dressing was showing that this is December 2022 or three. I don't remember which it is, but I feel like that's basically in line. Like, I feel like this is the December of the year that see even then i look at this list of shows like falcon the winter soldier came chronologically in the in the mcu timeline falcon the winter soldier came first then wandavision and then loki as far as we know is what after this show because loki has lit this spark that now is going to lead to the multiverse except maybe it's peter parker who has a wish in the movie that comes out next month so i don't know can i just say december (laughs) <laughs> six days till christmas in a year well i i don't think they have such a poor handle on you know the time portion of setting that it would be you know the the ronin years ago hasn't been seen in years okay so years is two right it's more than one so 2024 on the brink of 25 um i'm quick wait, pete maybe this speaks to the power of the mouse i'm doing a quick search here to try and find all that all those set pictures that were so clear a year ago and now they're kind of gone they're gone, they're gone. um maybe if i spelled hawkeye correctly that would help too uh hawkeye set photos let's do a google search for that um i don't know it'll be like I, I share your confidence that it, there's a plan. I also think of how Feige has just said, hey, we goofed on the Spider-Man eight years later, eight years ago, whatever it was. Like, stop trying to stop with the theories. We made a mistake. Okay. Until um, you fix it. Until you fix it. Until the other Quicksilver shows up in your multiverse. And, you know, it's funny you should mention that. It, it did occur to me. Um, something that we've mentioned in passing on some podcasts. I don't remember in in what context, but so the Spider-Man movies are coming to Netflix. Then when that deal is up, there's already a deal for them to come to Disney Plus. It would be a pretty cool thing like, oh, the Disney Plus Spider-Man Homecoming edition, that finally fixes the year correctly. Like we all go... Oh, thank goodness. It's actually seven and a half. Or we like whatever it's supposed to be that they can make it in that copy the way it is. Um, so, yeah, there's a plan, question mark, unless they mess up. And then <laughs> That's the fear. These Russians, Matt, do they did they know the Ranskovs? The who? The Ranskovs. Who were the Ranskovs? The, the, the uh, Russian uh, gang. From Daredevil. Pete, in our hearts, yes. 
as we have said many times before, the beef between Jeff Loeb's Marvel TV division, since subsumed and shut down by Marvel Studios, uh, the beef between him and Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios was a real thing. And, I, I mean... Pete, how many, like, genuine question here. I'm not trying to throw dirt in anybody's eye here. How many years ago was it that the two years were up and any time now was when the Marvel Netflix shows were going to immediately appear on, uh, appear on Disney+, Plus? oops, their TVMA, on Hulu, and they were going to immediately start work on Daredevil Season 4? Like, how long ago was that supposed to have been? Two years at this point? All right, you want to say COVID is throwing a loop in there? Great. Where's Charlie Cox? Where's all these people? There's rumors Where is of them. Charlie Cox? You know, there's rumors. He was in of... Los Angeles a week ago Tuesday. There's rumors of Charlie Cox's arm in uh, still <laughs> pictures from Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, we'll see if he's the lawyer. If he's not the lawyer, then I think that's the point where we sit and go, "Oh wait, Marvel Television really was a separate thing in actuality, even though in our hearts, when Never. it's all connected." You know, These the Russian guys know the Ransikovs, and they know the Kingpin. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, Pete, because it's a better fandom when that's the case. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the hills we go, laughing all the way. We're dashing through the snow to the mailbox. Pete, we ran a Twitter poll this morning. Uh, I may have misspelled Kate's name as K because it was on the phone and I didn't have a lot of time when I was at work, so apologies. I don't know if any of these Twitter replies are going to call me out on that. Uh, or maybe they were just eager to vote in the poll. The choices were this. One target, dog. Uh, that got 4.8%. Uh, this was not a one out of four episode. Sorry. Uh, two targets, Ronin'd me, uh, 0%. Three targets. I had to go for it, Pete. Marvelous start. That's also like a little bit of a reminder of this great um, Honest Trailers where they said, basically, we are looking for a B-plus outing from the MCU every time. And when we get a B-plus outing, we feel comforted. And when it's better than that, we are amazed. And when it's a little worse than that, we go, okay, well, better be a B-plus next time. Um, and then uh, four Targets, Bullseye, got 66.7%. So our souls are clean there, Pete. We heard from Captain Noel Gardner, a captain to us. If there's ever going to be a Noel the Musical, it shall be about her. She's at Noel Camille on Twitter. I love Kate. This was a good start to the series. I like the origin of her perspective in 2012. Clint's just trying to do uh, a New York Christmas with his family. Then, bam, the past catching up. What else could have been recovered from the Avengers compound wreckage? Rogers, the musical, was perfect. We also heard from uh, Rose Ferry. That's at Anna Rose 584. The first two episodes, oh, I better read carefully, Pete. I've only seen the first one. We're going to kind of spoiler-free for episode two. But it had me wishing. That's safe. It was next Wednesday already. All the little details they threw in, the statue in the restaurant, and others show quality and attention from the writers and showrunner, Jeremy Renner, finally gets to show off so spoiler free there but sounds like rose is equally enthusiastic for 102 uh next we heard from darren bell that's at darren b46052059 
uh, let me say that again, B46052059. Uh, as good as this was, I still want an episode that was just the whole Rogers the Musical. Uh, Pete, there's probably somebody at um, the Disney Stage Musical Division that's like, yes, yes, we can develop that and we can charge <laughs> $200 a ticket. Um, I, I plunk it down. <laughs> We heard from, or maybe, ooh, let's develop, wait a minute, Pete, message from the future. What if they develop the 65-minute version for the cruise line? There you uh, go. That's, I, Pete, I, I'm, I'm going to put a quarter right on the old desk here that within five years there's a Rogers the Musical, satirical musical on the Disney cruises. Um, Chelsea? Maybe a 45-minute version at like... Um, uh, Hollywood Studios, something like that. Anyhow, Spider-Ham Lincoln, okay, Tess LC139 says as follows, I like how each Marvel TV show has a different style and a unique way of telling stories about some of our favorite characters. Hawkeye is certainly no different, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this story resolves itself. I hope Kate Bishop continues in the MCU for a while. Pete, I think their plan is like uh, 10 years. I think it's a good plan. Uh, we heard from Derek Bruff, that's at first play R token. Uh, I guess it's player, but without the ER. Anyhow, uh, with all the Thanksgiving fun this week, I don't know when I'll be able to watch. Grr, arg. Well, Pete, good news. At least our podcast is here. And again, uh, Derek, if you're listening to this after watching 101, I haven't watched 102 yet. So we're just we're taking them one step at a time, just like you should with that Thanksgiving feast. You can uh, hit them at any time and we'll always be here for you. So true. Um, we heard lastly from Barton Stan, that's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. I loved it. Not perfect, but a nice break from some of the more serious stuff lately. Great action. I love the interaction between Kate and Clint, uh, including the New York battle as part of Kate's origin was fantastic with a PH. Uh, can't wait for more. So, Pete, a lot of enthusiasm overall here for, for this uh, first outing absolutely can't wait to talk this second episode with everybody and i really respect that people have held back from being like oh what about this in episode two super super respectful of people's uh, viewing opportunities there so keep that up pete this is an episode that has a russo daughter in it okay who tamed the internet but her father and her uncle who said Please don't spoil Endgame. Please don't spoil um, Infinity War. Just be cool about it. Give us, was it the weekend or was it the first two weekends? Whatever it was. And it was like, and everyone abided by it. They, they abode the dude. And it's <laughs> just, dudes. it's now, it, yeah, it's now just the dudes. It's baked into the MCU to just, to just be cool. Be cool as fans. You know what would be really cool, Matt? If uh, the people who are listening could head over to Apple Podcast and boop, hit us with a with a rating real quick, even cooler, hit us with a review. Uh, Pete, that was uh, both unplanned and uh, just beautifully seamless. That was fantastic. Uh, yes, that would definitely be appreciated. And of course... Oh, so appreciated are those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek to support us, particularly this time of year as we are juggling Hawkeye arrows and discovery ships. And we got book of Boba Fett gasp only next month, Pete, and all of this geeky goodness. So 
proud as always to be listener supported and those bills coming due so get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek uh you place the value on our content takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door we're gonna take the rare time to tell you something patreon is only gonna get uh for november uh that you can plunk your money down for yes pete we're gonna be going back we're gonna be putting on the shades we're going to be going back. We're going to be plugging in. We are going to be talking about the OG 1999's The Matrix uh, ahead of Matrix 4 coming out on HBO and in the theaters next month. So, Pete, this is a movie that has not aged poorly, despite the fact that maybe uh, all the leather and guns haven't aged as well. Uh, but other things we didn't even dream to talk about back in 1999. So that's going to be a super fun discussion to have there on Patreon. So we will be recording that in the next couple days, and that will hit Patreon before the end of November. So something to look out for if you're already a patron. Uh, something to sign up for. It'll be just an additional thing that'll be uh, available for you there on top of the confidence of knowing you are helping us remain 100% listener-supported and do our thing. Well, Pete, let's keep this Hawkeye conversation going, particularly since we'll be podcasting episode 102 on Saturday. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,152. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. So if you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, the next thing we're going to talk about is Hawkeye 102 on Saturday, ahead of Disco on Sunday. If you're here just for the Hawkeye stuff, we'll still be back on Saturday, and then back the following Saturday for Hawkeye 103. Pete, that's how time works. It goes fast, especially when you're having so much fun as this. Uh, for now, though, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs>